So, welcome to what is a Baldwin Boys first podcast. My name is James Boys, and I specialise in legal and business operations, recruitment for law firms, consultancies, and in-house legal departments. I'm joined by... Uh, hi, James. Yeah, um, I'm Aimer, and I'm um, Head of Strategy at Samize. Um, which is a contract review and management platform. Great, welcome. So today uh, we are going to discuss how the productization of legal services has changed over roughly the last um, five years. Um, Emo, if you'd like to suggest your initial sort of introduction to the the productization of legal services and why perhaps you think it's an interesting um, topic of exploration. Yeah, I mean, I suppose it's kind of, there's no simple answer, is there, in terms of, you know, kind of, I suppose, firstly, why it's maybe taken the legal sector a little bit longer, perhaps, than other Mm. um, sectors and how it has kind of changed over the past five years. Um, I do feel that it is kind of playing catch-up, really. Um, And I think that you've, you know, it's kind of, a lot of people are talking about the move away from you know, the traditional law firm model, um, you know, moving away from kind of the bill of hour. And, you know, we've obviously seen loads of kind of alternative models popping up over the past five years. Um, and I think that there's kind of that recognition that, you know, we're turning something that seemed intangible into something tangible and mm. people, it's what people really want. Yeah. Um, and I think that that ultimately then gives the service that you're providing, you know, more credibility and, um, and I suppose there's just so many factors that have kind of all kind of come together. I mean, we've got you know, the escalation of of knowledge, haven't we? We've got more awareness. We've got social media, globalization. Mm. Um, and I feel like all of this has kind of led, I suppose, to an economy, really, that is very much driven by the client because, you know, the client is just more aware. Um, they can easily find a competitor offering, um, you know, something that's more cost-effective, elsewhere and you know I suppose that competition is kind of driving lawyers to change how they work um, and I think people have said for a while haven't it that there, there's just an inherent conflict between the billable hour and the client's best interests and you know whenever I was in practice I just always kind of thought they don't really complement each other and they don't really sit comfortably beside each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, and I totally agree. I think in a world which is, as you rightly pointed out, so driven by the client nowadays, this aptitude for change and uh, a resistance to change across the partnership model, which arguably you could say it's set up to, to resist change, can no longer um, shine through. It has to be competitive and you know, new technologies, new ways of um, introducing your, your services as a, a, as a nicer um, more productive, more efficient thing is is definitely um, current in, in in the market. So, totally agree. And why do you think products in, in legal services have a different slant on their concepts, i.e., in comparison to, to FS? We constantly hear about legal tech or legal project management or legal process improvement. Why is that? Do you think? I suppose law is definitely a profession built around, I mean, historically built around human interaction. 
mm. um, built around trust. And you know, it doesn't really matter whether you're advocating for a client in a criminal or a family matter or whether you're an M&L lawyer, you know, and you're dealing with corporates. You, there's always that need for, for the human element. And I know we've we've seen over the past couple of months that that human interaction has changed in nature. But, you know, we hear the same thing all the time. It's just really important to pick up the phone or set up a Zoom call or whatever so that you've constantly got that human interaction. Um, and I think that, you know, with financial services and fintech is something that we've heard about for for a number of years. But, you know, we can, we are able to bank online. We don't need to speak to anyone anymore. You know, we can apply for a mortgage online and actually make an awful lot of pretty big life decisions <laughs> using tech. Yeah. Um, you know, whereas, you know, there, with law, it's just really hard to do that. And there are fantastic products out there um you know personally that i think are really innovative you know ones that you've got like apps that will send out prompts and guide you through kind of a certain process you know whether it's a grievance at work or or an or an rta or whatever it is and you know what it will do will help you to mitigate that risk it will minimize the need for legal intervention Mm. you know and place the client in a perfect position you know if say it does become litigious for example that kind of bespoke um or you know the kind of tailored advice so whilst there is lots of legal work that can be automated and should be automated i think just to make life easier for everyone but you know you're still always going to have that need because not all aspects of law are are binary yeah i totally agree (laughs) it's quite an interesting subject really because when you think of the comparison between can I sign on to my banking app and have a look at my um, current account versus can I uh, sign on to a potentially uh, a legal app in the future and um, review this small legal matter that might in the future be able to be digitalized? Uh, it's a really very interesting comparison. Out of, out of interest, do you think the smaller matters for a more generalised consumer, a, a day-to-day person, could be digitalised through a, something like an app? Or do you think that um, that human contact that you're talking about will always remain true in, in, in legal work? Yeah, I think I do think there, there will always need to be that human element. I mean, I suppose I'm thinking of it really from different angles but i'm just thinking of you know i can only speak from experience really but you know for example you know i did a lot of human rights work um and immigration work Mm. and there was very little of that that could be automated that could automate you know in terms of the amount of time we spent on prepping bundles and dealings with the tribunal but in terms of somebody coming in with a problem and they want to know they usually want to speak to someone and I know there can be lots of things there's lots of great products out there and chatbots and and that kind of thing and you know I love the idea of um, productization in the sense that as I said before you can make something that is deemed to be intangible a bit more tangible for people so mm. you know the idea is say I, I needed a lawyer for something I like the idea that I could go onto a website and kind of add different things to a basket yeah yeah. You know, and that everything's booked and I want this and wants totally transparent in terms of pricing. I know what to expect. It's managed my expectations completely and it's very simple. But at the end of the day, I'd like to think that then from that, I'm either going to speak to somebody on the phone or I'm going to meet with someone. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I, I do think 
with a lot of it, it will be really hard to remove, completely remove the, the human element. Yeah, really interesting point. Okay, um, and and on that sort of point, uh, I know there's been a lot of uh, hysteria within legal services at the moment around sort of user experience and design thinking has come into uh, the equation a lot on that basis. Why has it taken the legal sector so long to catch up with um, those kind of other elements uh, or, or other uh, industries uh, rather with those elements? And, and, and are we still focusing enough on end user versus, um, versus business case? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I, you know, I kind of think that, you know, design thinking is sector agnostic, but it has been really, if you, if you kind of examine it, it has been confined, confined to certain industries for a really long time. Um, and I think the idea that design thinking can, can be applied to law is relatively new and gaining momentum and people talk about it a lot. But I don't know how much of that's actually reflected in reality, which is, is fair enough because it is relatively new. Um, and I think it's taken a while because it all sounds very kind of conceptual. Mm. Um, and also not every lawyer or law firm has the time or awareness to kind of sit down and go, well, actually, we need to apply a bit of design thinking, yep. <laughs> you know. Um, and I think it's going to take a while for that to become embedded as an intrinsic part of our thinking within legal. Um, it has to start with academia. Um, you know, I know a lot of universities have some fantastic initiatives around legal design and legal tech. And to my mind, anyway, just <laughs> my opinion, but yeah. I think it's more about changing mindsets from the start. You know, we don't need this complexity. We just need to have a bit of, more of an open mind, um, a bit more curiosity and kind of, you know, I feel that the, the problem stems from the fact that we're kind of fed a, a bit of a narrative about who we are. Or, or kind of should be as a lawyer, and that was my feeling when I was in practice. You know that you, you're an analytical and forensic being, and you're risk averse. <laughs> yeah. And of course, that might be true. But you know, we're also problem solvers and innovators and creatives. And I think that's what design thinking is. You're finding a creative solution to a problem. And it was um, Conran, I think, who said that good design is 98% common sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think, well, well, there you go. Well, I mean, the other elusive 2%, you know, you could talk about all day, but I mean, you know, lawyers are, are generally pretty pragma pragmatic um, and they're also problem solvers. So um, I kind of feel as though if we can kind of change how we perceive ourselves internally and I suppose externally outside of, um, you know, from an outside perspective, it would really go a long way. I think, in, in getting us kind of to that point where we are as creative as other sectors. Yeah. Um, I, I would definitely reinforce that point as well. And, and especially what you said about at the grassroots level, uh, exploring alternative career paths within legal, but still in legal for those who have taken an interest in the law, but have come out of university and been attracted to different paths within uh, the legal system. And a, a key point about that, which I think is, is definitely maturing, is that we've um, helped law firms uh, strategize their recruitment campaigns to attract those law students coming out of um, university, having post on a, an LPC, whatever stage they are at, um, in their education, 
but looking at attracting those law students to different um, channels within a, within a law firm. So, for example, uh, attracting someone to go directly into a, a legal tech um, graduate programme. Uh, and the emergence of those kind of structures is something that's becoming more apparent uh, and I think will, like you say, um, create much more variety in how law firms can deliver, but also the sponsorship and engagement for um, for general stakeholders within a law firm to engage on different initiatives and widen their their ability to deliver services. So I think you're absolutely absolutely spot on. Okay, on, on that point, how, how far do you think we've um, we've come in terms of um, developing new services, new products within within law, and, uh, and what do you think have been the major themes? Um, yeah, I mean, I think they've, we've seen kind of we've seen a lot of progress, haven't we, in the last few years? Um, and I think that just on the point that you were making, uh, you know, I think seeing that collaboration between um, academic and real life um, is going to totally change then the, the you know the, the lawyers of the future, really. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that you know what you were saying about different initiatives, and I just think it's brilliant the initiatives that the universities are doing and. You know, the idea that we're even talking about things like design thinking at all. <laughs> you know, the idea that those words are associated with law. The idea that we see, you know, hackathons and all these incubators. I just think this is brilliant, you know, because the, I think because, you know, we always talk about things becoming embedded in culture. And I always kind of wonder, what what does that really mean? And, and how do you achieve that? And it just is, it has to be multifaceted it has to kind of come from all angles to the point where you don't really question it as much anymore it becomes accepted and because of that kind of interplay between you know the universities the law firms we've got these lawyers of the future and you know accepting that tech is going to be a part of the future of law i think yeah, I, I, you know, it means that we've we've come. I think we've come actually really far now. That <laughs> as I'm saying that, I feel like we've come really far in the past few years. Yeah, I I I, I tend to agree. The the variation uh, in different roles over the last um, five or so years has almost been sort of exponential year on year in in approach. So I, I definitely agree with you. I think there's a real fine intricacy and a real interesting focus point for those who have the ability to be able to deliver the sort of exploration of different services based on the economy of first right time and I think because law firms can be so specifically focused on net spend or spend in other areas that aren't necessarily directly the law um, then that ability to be able to get it right quickly and efficiently is also a really, really interesting touch point too. So, um, I mean, long may the the different types of um, approach, different services, different specialisms, different functional areas within a law firm continue. And I think that expanse will continue, but um, but it's an interesting um, piece to to, to put a laser focus on who's doing it right, who's doing it. Okay, and, um, and what do you think your big question what do you think your predictions are for the next sort of three to five years it's <laughs> uh, a big question isn't it um yeah i think that we'll we'll probably have um i hope anyway that we'll see a lot more legal teams kind of embracing tech and not just within not just law firms but kind of you know in-house teams as well 
And, you know, a lot of people have said that the past few months have kind of acted as a catalyst for change, you know, because we've got remote working, keeping teams connected and, you know, realising, well, we actually, for example, we need to know where our documents are. We understand that we're leaking revenue if we don't know where they are, what's in our contracts. Um, but I think we've kind of gone beyond that. I think that w- there's a realisation that we're on the cusp of this massive change in thinking and that we actually have no choice but to embrace tech um and i think it's kind of just understanding i think that there's kind of this epiphany really a bit of a collective epiphany that we realize that actually there is a place for tech in law it doesn't mean that lawyers jobs will um will disappear or be you know minimized in any way at all it just means that you know realizing where it slots in in the same way that we realize just overall where tech kind of slots into to life um and i think we'll see more cohesion i think you know i think that legal tech for example um people would say that it seems a bit fragmented and i think there'll probably be more kind of alliances strategic partnerships yeah um and a bit of a community of people within law who want to kind of share knowledge exchange ideas and kind of work together and i think if we could also see, and I hope this is what we're going to see, um, is a bit of an interchangeability between platforms, a bit of a, you know, kind of a blending of the old with the new. So, for example, we've just launched um, a plugin to Microsoft Word because we recognize that most lawyers use and they love Word and they don't want to navigate away from that. And why should they if it works for them? It's just that, you know, that realization that we want to make it easy for them to manage you know, how they work and their workflow with a kind of an overlay of new software on top of existing. Mm. Um, and I think it's with that kind of recognition that you don't you don't need to change everything. And I suppose a bit more fluidity. Um, and as I said earlier, just that kind of change in an openness to kind of think more about design thinking and think a bit more creatively. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. I think the ability for law firms to deliver on their client accounts is becoming as we talked about much more competitive the emergence of some of the new players into this market consultancies that have got legal licenses and and the emergence of and collaboration with their bigger ranks of 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 services will drive more competitiveness in that space Um, yeah some of the nice touches that we talked about like graduate programs for alternative uh, avenues of, of of career within law firms is going to drive uh, more collaboration and more togetherness and awareness of of what uh, is available within within law. So I definitely think there'll be a trend of uh, of law firms running those kind of pro- programs to attract law students to to different types of roles within a within a firm. Um, and, and like you rightly pointed out, I think um, the the obvious catalyst is 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 going to be technology driving uh, and reinforcing perhaps uh, in application some of the ways that that we can deliver legal services. Um, so totally agree with you there. I agree. Well, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if anyone would like to get in touch with EMRI around queries around this insight session or with general questions, then then please do feel free to get in touch. Thanks. Yeah, great to speak to you. Thanks, James.